Hey everyone, welcome to the Oasis Church podcast. We are so honored that you would take a few minutes and you would join us, even if it's through an app on your phone right now. We're just honored that you would spend the time with us. And I want to encourage you, if you want to spend time with us in person, we would love to invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at 197 Imperial Boulevard in Hendersonville, Tennessee. We would love to meet you. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to serve you. So make plans to join us. But right now, I hope that you enjoy this message and we hope that it encourages you and it blesses you today. How's everybody feeling today? Wow, that was good. I was happy, but that was good. How many brackets in here are just gone? They're busted right now. Come on, don't lie. There's nobody that's doing well right now. And I just want to say congrats to the UT crowd. Uh, they were they were playing with two extra players on their team, and they were wearing black and white. That's all I got to say. So other than that, and somehow Alabama's still in. And uh, there you go. Yeah. Well, judgment day's coming. That's all I got to say. I won't speak any more to that, but uh, anyway. Hey, uh, we started a series last week called Fishing for Men, and it was, uh, like I said, like we said earlier, a ton of you were traveling, it was early, we missed an hour that I still haven't gained back, I don't think, but... uh, but how many of y'all love fishing in here? Come on. There's nothing like catching a fish. Now, there's nothing like it. Uh, I sang a little Brad Paisley last week. If you missed it, I'm sorry. All right. So you just have to, that's why you got to come to church. All right. You, you're missing stuff. But uh, I love I love to fish. I don't do it very much, but there's nothing like catching a fish. And so we wanted to teach you how to fish for people because Jesus gave us something. Uh, he gave us a command. He said, you know, hey, if you think catching a fish is fun, wait till you catch a person. Like, just there's nothing like seeing a person come to know Jesus. Come on, can I get an amen from somebody? There's nothing like seeing someone's life change. There's nothing like seeing a marriage restored. There's nothing like seeing God work in someone's life, and you get to play a part in it. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about? And I just want to tell you right now, I didn't come to teach today. I came to preach today. I'm going to get a little loud. It's going to be a little different today because I'm passionate about what we're talking about because it matters. If we're not fishing for men, what are we doing? We're wasting our time on Sunday mornings if we're not fishing for men. There's, there's something about, that, that's, that's what God called us to do. Jesus' last words to us were, go and make disciples. Go catch some fish and catch them alive. Teach them how to be like me. That's what we're here to do. And if we're not doing that, we're wasting our time. And so I came with a message today. I hope you're ready for it. I hope you're going to put your seatbelt on because I, I'm telling you, we're gonna get we're gonna get after it today, all right? And we're we're gonna get out of here at twelve thirty. I'm just gonna tell you right now, I'm excited for today. Uh, I'm gonna get out of here before twelve thirty. Steph might come up and preach. When she preaches, I come up and preach again. I don't know why I, did, I just do it every time. I'm sorry. But how many of you remember the first big ride you rode as a kid? Like roller coaster, big ride at Disney. All right. How many of Nashville, like like native Tennessee people, are in here right now? Anybody? Okay, great. My first ride that I ever rode that went upside down and that was intense was the Wabash Cannonball. You know what I'm talking about. How many of y'all are with me on that? Y'all, y'all, okay. My mom made me ride it. I was terrified. It had two loops in it. And I remember being just terrified of going upside down because when you're a kid, you're like, I'm going to die if this thing goes upside down. So I remember I rode the Wabash Cannonball and then immediately after that rode and went and rode the, hang, the Hangman at, at Opryland, I think. 
That's my memory. I might be wrong, but he don't remember. My dad don't remember nothing. So yeah, yeah. Uh, he don't remember. But I re- can you give me a, a cup of water? Thank you. Um, I remember uh, that happening, but I also remember, and that, but that opened up like a whole world to me, right? Like after you ride your first big roller coaster or your first big ride, there's a whole world that opens up after that because it's like now... I can go ride anything. Like, I'm not afraid to ride anything, right? And so I remember Ruben's first ride he ever rode. I'll never forget it. It was Splash Mountain at Disney World. May it rest in peace. All right, it's gone now. They're rechanging it to Princess and the Frog or something. But uh, I remember uh, we were talking. He was young. And I, he was really young. And I remember us talking up like, you're going to love this. And so me being a great dad... I remember waiting in line with him for three hours in the sun. Did you do this last week when you were there? Did you wait that long for anything? Okay. I'm a better dad than you, I guess. I'm joking. (laughs) Uh, We just had a family got back from Disney World. But I waited in line. We didn't have a fast pass for it. I I don't remember why. But we waited the whole time. I'm like, dude, this is going to be awesome. You're going to love this. It's so fun. The big drop's going to happen. And he's nervous. But then about halfway through the line, he starts getting excited. And so, man, we're excited. I'm like, dude. And then we get to the point of the ride. You know what I'm talking about? You look down and you can see all the little logs and you can see the little... Uh, the, it's like cattle, like they have you lined up in these pins, essentially. And there's the gate to open up and you're next on the ride. So man, we're excited. And all of a sudden he starts getting quieter and quieter, the closer we get to the logs. And so we get to the logs and now we're at the little gate. We're next. And I'm like, dude, this is so good. This is going to be great. And we get there, the gate opens up and he loses his mind. I'm talking, he's crying. I owe him five bucks, by the way, for this. He's crying. He's screaming, don't do it. He's, he's being mean to me. He's yelling all this stuff. I'm like, I just waited. You better shut your mouth, right? And so I am such a great dad. I didn't have the heart to make him ride. And so I picked him up. I, I walk him to the side. I'm like trying to reason with him. You can't, it's like, re, it's like negotiating with a terrorist at this point. It's just not happening. And so we end up, I chickened out and we take him back to, yeah, we take him back to Stephanie. I'm like, she goes, how'd he like it? I'm like, well, we didn't ride it. And she goes, what? She said, we're riding that ride. She grabbed his arm and, and convinced, I know, but she was determined. She, she convinced the cast member just to let him back on the ride. Like they went through the fast pass lane. She goes up and she gets there and the gates open up again. Ruben freaks out. Well, Stephanie is heartless. I don't know if you'll know this better. She puts on a great face here. She's heartless. She picked his butt up and put him in the seat, slammed the thing shut, nodded at the cast member. They press the button. That thing goes. Now Ruben is stuck on this ride, and I have a video of it. Y'all want to see it? All right, go ahead. Play it. I'm going to give you some commentary. She's thinking, I just got him. Woo, he's a little hilly, Look how Woo! concerned he is in his little eyes. His little beady eyes. Wow, look over there. Can you wave? Wave. Oh, wait, look at Wow. Aren't you so excited? I know. Oh, it's okay. You know what? It's not going to be bad. I promise you, okay? It has a big deal. Yeah, that's a big deal. It's not that big. 
We're not going to watch the whole run. Then there's going to be another hill right up here, okay? Is it big? No, it's a little one. There's going to be a little hill right up here, okay? It's a little bigger than we've done before, but it's just a, it's still pretty small, okay? $17 popsicle from Disney World to do this ride. Uh, if you ever, have you ever bribed your kids to do something like this, right? Like, uh, and, and, but we knew if we could just get Reuben on the ride, there was something a lot bigger than just a popsicle on the other side of the scary ride. But he couldn't understand that. All he could think about was popsicle, popsicle, popsicle. Am I going to get a popsicle? I need a popsicle now. Right? But he doesn't understand that after he rides that ride, the next scary ride's even easier to ride, right? Like it wasn't just a popsicle on the other side of this that made it worth it. It was the fact that this whole new world of scary rides and big rides was opened up to him. Now it's like, we can't keep that boy off rides. He'll go to Space Mountain. He'll ride Tower of Terror now. He'll do everything. Why? Because we made him get on the ride whenever he was scared. And so uh, I, I want to talk to you about that. He never would have enjoyed the ride if he would have just stayed in line. He never would have enjoyed the ride if someone <laughs> didn't give him a push, right? Like he never would have enjoyed the ride. He never would have enjoyed any future ride had he not faced his fear, had he not pushed through that, had he not gotten on the ride and ridden it. Now he did get to enjoy a $17 popsicle uh -huh. that we're still paying off probably now. <laughs> But I want to let you know something. You're in line for a ride today. And listen, I'm just going to be shoot straight with you. The ride is scary. It looks scary. There's ups and downs. There's twists and turns. Uh, you, you might feel like you're going to come out of that thing at any moment. It, it, it's got a big drop. It's really high up. It's intimidating. There's a lot of screaming, sometimes crying, right? Like there's a lot to it. But I want to tell someone today that there's something bigger on the other side of the ride. And it's up to you. Are you going to step out of the line and actually get in the ride? Because God's calling you today. I'm gonna, that's my whole job today. I'm going to convince you that you're called. You're called to fish for people. And let me tell you, the, the, the ride of fishing for people is a long ride. It's an exciting ride. It's scary at times. It's going to make you face some fears. It's going to make you face some insecurities. It's going to make you feel inadequate at times. It's going to make you feel like, God, I, I, nothing in you wants to ride that ride. But I want to tell you, the ride's worth riding. 
There's something amazing on the other side of that ride. It's just up to you. Are you going to get your butt in the seat or are you going to stay in line and watch everyone else ride it? And so today we're going to look at a story and it's a crazy story. And this guy in the Bible, all of you have heard of this guy. Y'all have all heard of Moses, right? He, he did the Ten Commandments. There's movies about him. Uh, he, he led people out of Israel. But I, I want to share with you briefly his story a little bit. And then we're going to get to like the pivotal moment in his story. But Moses had an interesting life. Um, he has a crazy story. He was actually born a Hebrew. He was born a Jew. Um, and he was a part of God's people. And, uh, and, and Pharaoh back then was insane. All right, so he lived in Egypt. Pharaoh was insane. People were actually, uh, God's people were enslaved to, to Egypt at this time. And they were getting so big and so powerful that it freaked Pharaoh out. And so Pharaoh was like, these people are getting too big. We need to like control the population a little bit. And he actually ordered that all of the kids two and under be thrown into the Nile river and murdered. And so that sent like the whole nation into like this, I mean, tailspin. It was kind of crazy if you look at it in history, but all the midwives who were delivering these babies for the Jewish people and all the moms certainly were like, we got to do something about this. And so they started to save these kids and they would hide them and they would like, it was almost like the Holocaust. Like they would hide them. They would teach them. They would try to keep them quiet and people would come look for them. It was insane. And Moses had one of these stories. He was born and the midwives and Moses' mom are like, we got to save this kid. And so they built a basket out of reeds and they put him in the river. Can you imagine doing this to your baby? I mean, my goodness, it would be wild. Imagine being a mom. There's a lot of new moms in here. Taking your kid, putting it in a basket that you made. If I had to make a basket that had to float, that kid is not making it. I'm going to tell you right now. But they made this basket and they sent him down this river. And by God's design and God's plan, Moses ends up floating next to Pharaoh's daughter in the river. And so Pharaoh's daughter is like, takes it, takes it to dad, says, daddy, can I keep it? And he's like, I guess. And so long story short, missing a lot of details here, but Moses actually grows up in Pharaoh's house. He gets the education. He, he, gets, he has everything he could ever want. He, he has the wealth. He has the knowledge. He, he's got responsibility. He's got the clout. He's got the influence. He's got any woman he could ever want. Like he's got everything he could ever want. Until one day he sees something that he doesn't like. He sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew slave and he's treating him really poorly. And so Moses, the Bible says, this is premeditated. This was murder. Moses looks around to make sure no one's looking. This is all in your Bible. He looks around and doesn't think anyone's looking. And he actually kills the Egyptian that's beating the Hebrew slave and he buries him in the sand. Well, the next day, Moses is walking around town and one of the Hebrew slaves, one of the Jewish people, one of his people looks at him and says, what are you going to do the same thing to me that you did to that Egyptian yesterday? You see, he didn't do a very good job of looking if the coast was clear and he done got caught killing somebody. And so he panics, just like all of you would panic. He panics and he hightails it out of, out of Pharaoh's house, out of Egypt. And he runs to a place called Midian. Y'all say Midian. Now he ended up going from being a prince in the Egyptian empire don't think about how low this is for a second. So being a shepherd for his father-in-law's sheep in Midian. You see, he stayed in Midian for 40 years. He had it all. He had it all when he was, where he grew up. He was smart. 
He was qualified. He was capable. He could do anything. And he wasted his life away, made one bad decision, runs to Midian. And now he's at a, such a humble place that he doesn't, the Bible, he didn't even have sheep of his own. He wasn't even taking care of his own sheep. He was taking care of the sheep of his father-in-law. How many of y'all would want to work for your father-in-law? Come on now. Hey, nobody, right? Like I just, none of the dudes in here are itching to do that. All right. And he's sitting here and he's working the most worthless job for his father-in-law. And I wonder how many times he's sitting there watching the sheep of his father-in-law and he's thinking, what have I done? Like, look at where I'm at. I'm taking care of these dumb sheep. I'm dealing with their literal poop. I'm having to shave these things. I'm having to make sure they don't walk off the side of cliffs. Like they're really dumb animals. I'm not even good at this, right? Like, I, can you imagine just how down he must have felt? Like my life has amounted to nothing. I, I used to have everything and now I'm sitting here. And, and now he's stuck in the most mundane average job you could ever do. Like, can you imagine the monotony of his life? He wakes up. He gets his little shepherd stick, the staff, what is it called? A staff. He gets his sheep out of the barn. He walks them to go get something to eat, takes them to go get some water, fights off a coyote every now and again, takes them back, goes back to sleep, wakes up, gets his stick. I mean, can you, I'm bored talking about it. I mean, I see some of you are already falling asleep. The monotony of this is exhausting, but that was his life. Think about what he came from and what he went to. And here's what the Bible says, Exodus chapter 3, if you're reading along with us, Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 2. It was there that the angel of the Lord appeared to him. In the mundane, in the average, in his everyday life, he was watching his sheep. You see, we want God to show up in the big church service we want God to show up in the big, but uh, most times than not in scripture, the vast majority of times, God shows up in the mundane. He shows up in the average. He shows up in the monotony. He shows up in your job. He shows up in the everyday average moments of your life. It was there that the Lord appeared to, to Moses. It was there in that place. And I don't want you to forget this extraordinary acts of God begin with ordinary acts of obedience. I'm going to say it again. Extraordinary acts of God. We're about to see an extraordinary act of God. It began with the ordinary. He was just doing his job. Ordinary act of obedience. Just, I'm just going to go watch these sheep. I'm just going to go to work today. But extraordinary acts of God, they always start there. Always start with an ordinary act of obedience. So it was there that the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. And Moses stared in amazement. He's a typical dude. He's like, what the heck is that? I gotta come see this, right? Like, and it says, though the bush was engulfed in flames, this is insane, it didn't burn up. And he, a typical guy, he said, 
this is amazing. Like, I got to go see what this thing is about. Why is it that bush burning up? I have to go look at it, right? And there, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire in the middle of the bush. Moses stared in amazement. I just read all this. Sorry. And when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. And he said, Moses, Moses. Anytime God says two names, by the, your name back to back in the Bible, it is like, you better listen up, boy, because what I'm about to tell you is something important. I want to tell, I, I can't say all your names right now, but I'm put your name right there. God, right now, he's saying your name twice. He's saying, listen, because what's coming next is a big deal. What's coming next for you is a big deal. I don't want you to miss it. Moses says, here I am. And then he says, don't come any closer, the Lord warned. He says, take off your sandals for you're standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father. I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. I'm the God of Jacob. And when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. I came here to tell somebody today that you're standing on holy ground right now. You're on holy ground right now. You're standing on holy ground. You might be tired. You might be a mom that's tired, that's sick of telling, keeping your kids alive. But right now, you're standing on holy ground. Some of you, you feel stuck in your life. Right now, you're standing on holy ground. Take off your shoes. Uh, for some of you, you feel like giving up. I want to tell you, take off your shoes because you're on holy ground. Uh, some of you, it, it feels like your world is caving in on you, like you don't have a hope. You had this weird week. I want to tell you, take off your shoes because you're on holy ground. God is trying to tell you something today. And if you're too caught up in the ordinary and you're not looking for God, you're going to miss it. But I'm here to tell you, you're on holy ground. Don't miss it. God is wanting to speak to you today. But if you're too caught up in stuff and you're not, you're not looking for the burning bush, you're going to miss it. You're on holy ground today. Jesus, would you meet us here today, God? I, God, I pray right now that you would help us understand our calling, that you would help us understand that we're on, old, on holy ground today, God. Would you help us uh, metaphorically take off our shoes, recognize that we're in your presence. God, you're holy. You have something for us that's better than anything that we could ever imagine in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, God's going to open up your eyes today to your destiny. I believe that. As I was preparing this, in my heart, God was telling me, tell them this, because if just one of us can get this today, just one of us can get this today, our city can look different. Our nation could look different. This church will look different. Your family's going to look different. Your marriage is going to look different. But I want to tell you something that you are called to something greater in your life. You're called to something greater. Right now, a lot of us, we're at the edge of Splash Mountain. The gate's about to open. And God's calling you to something greater. He's saying, get in the ride. And it's our job to sit down and get on the ride. Moses, he was called to something greater. He couldn't see it, but he was called to something greater. God gave him a sign through the burning bush. Let me just tell you right now, if you're hearing this, this is your sign. This is your burning bush moment. This is it. I have red hair, all right? And it's like fire, okay? This is, this is your burning bush moment. If you're looking for, if you're like, I don't know if this is, this is God, okay? God, and I'm, this is not Clint. Clint's not this good. This is the Lord. The Lord's wanting to speak to you directly today. 
Are y'all with me? If you're with me, say I'm with you. All right, listen, this is your burning bush moment. Right now, God is speaking to you, but you have to listen. All right, get your listening in your zone. I only got seven minutes and 46 seconds. Here we go. We ain't going to be done in seven minutes. Okay. It says this, then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It's a land flowing milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the termites, and all the other ites, uh, they live now. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. He's looking at Moses and he's saying, hey, listen, I see that my people are hurting. I know what they're going through. I know that the slave drivers are treating them poorly. I know what's going on. Uh, they're hurting. Let me tell you right now, do y'all realize how many people outside of the walls of this church are hurting today? Come on, you see them at your work. Uh, they're, they're going through marital just disasters. They're, their kids are running away from God. We have people that don't even know what truth is anymore. People, th th this generation is leaving the church like never before. By the way, the kids, the students, they, they, for the most part, statistically speaking, want nothing to do with the things of God. Our culture is defined today, or our truth is defined today by what culture says is right. Not what God's word said is right. And you know what that is? That's the way that the enemy can trap them and they can, he can continue to hurt them and hurt their generations because now we're teaching these things to our kids at a young age and it's not true. And so we, we have these people that are hurting. We have kids that are hurting. We have people that are anxious. We have people that are depressed. We have moms that are stressed out and they're not living up to their full potential. We have dads that are working too much and, and they're carrying around their own stuff. We, we have people that are hurting. I don't have to, I don't have to keep preaching that. They're, your neighbors are hurting. Your friends are hurting. Your coworkers are hurting. The other people in your class at school are hurting. Your family might be hurting. Your marriage might be hurting. But I want to tell you today that there's a better place for these people to go. There was a better place for God's people. He said, hey, uh, th these people are hurting, but I've called them to something better. There's a better land. There's a better land with more that has everything they, they, they could ever need. And let me just tell you right now, God's kingdom is the answer for every hurting person that, in the world. Yeah. It, it can answer everything. And so God is saying, there's a better way. There's a better way to do this. And, and it's found in my kingdom. And, and this land that I want to take my people to that are hurting, it has everything that they need. This, God's word it has everything that people need. And God looks at Moses and he says this, now go for I am sending you. Here's God's message to you today. People are hurting and God is sending you. Quit waiting on our church to answer all the problems for everything going on out here. Now we're certainly gonna do our part 
We're certainly going to do the things that we need to do. We're certainly going to do things that get people into a relationship with Jesus. We're going to do all that. But listen, we're not the only answer. God didn't say, I'm sending, I'm sending Oasis. No, no. He said, I'm sending you. God wants to use you to help his hurting people get into the family of God. God wants to use you to get the hurting people even just into church. God wants to use you. I don't know all of your people. I can't fish for the people in your life. You have to do it. And these people need it. He's sending you. Now you might be hearing that and going, what? I can't do that. I don't want to do that. I'm not qualified to do that. Man, I'm so glad you're thinking all those things. One, because you're feeling the weight. I hope you feel the weight right now. I hope you feel like, man, if I don't do something, nothing's going to happen because that's true. And God wants you to, that's the ride God's calling you to get on. That's it. Is that ride scary? Yes. Is it worth it? Yes. Get on the ride. Man, buckle in. Hang on for dear life, because God's going to do something special in your life. Is it going to be met with some disappointment? Yes. Are you going to get hurt along the way? Maybe. But are you going to see people come to know Jesus? Yes. Our marriage is going to be changed? Yes. Our kids going to come to know the Lord? Yes. Come on, is this, is this city going to change? Yes. It's all part of the ride. And he's calling us to get on that ride and to get serious about it. And some of you, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I can't do this. I've never done anything like that before. I can't imagine that I would do that. Uh, you know, I, I've made too many mistakes. I don't have it all together. I, there's no way. Let me just, I'm just going to burst that myth right now. God is in the business of using imperfect people. Yeah. He's in the business of it. So if you think, man, I, he can't use me. I'm just too messed up. Oh, you're perfect. Let me tell you right now. You think that's going to get you out of it? Nope. That's just God going, See? That's exactly who I want to use, right? Like that's exactly who I want to use. God is saying to Moses, hey, I've got plans. I'm going to use you to be a leader. I'm going to use you to bring all these people out of Egypt. And Moses is going to look at him and he's thinking, you've picked the wrong guy. Like you don't know, you, God, are you sure this is you? Because you clearly don't know me. I have a stutter. I have a speech impediment. And you want me to go speak to the most important person in the world? Are you kidding me? Like he starts to say this. And if, and if my job today to try to help answer some of the questions that you have right now. So you know, I'm the answer. Like Jesus is the answer, but God is going to use you. He wants to use you to bring people to the answer, right? Like he wants to use you to get to these hurting people. He wants to use you to fist for men. He wants to use you. But you're thinking, hey, no way. I can't, like, I'm not qualified. I don't know the Bible. Like what if they ask these hard questions? Okay, I'm just going to go through. There, Moses gave four responses. And a lot of us are having those responses in our brain right now. So what I want to do is I want to debunk these responses for you so that yeah, you have no choice but to get on the ride. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what my, that's what my job is today. I'm going to help you do that. So the first thing that Moses said and the first excuse that he comes up with, and he says this, he says, who am I? He said, who am I? You know why he said that? Because he had insecurities. He had insecurities. Who am I? Let me just tell you right now. 
Every person, I don't care how manly of a man you are in this room or how awesome of a woman of God you are in this room, all of us have insecurities. Can I get an amen from somebody that's insecure in here? Because I'm insecure and it makes me feel better when you talk, all right? So I, just, I need it, right? Like we all deal with it from time to time. You're, you're, you're insecure about your ability to be a good mom to your kids. You're insecure about the skills you have for work. You're insecure about your ability to homeschool your kids. Can I get an amen from some homeschool mamas in here, right? You're insecure uh, about when you're around the person that looks like they have it all together and you look like a hot mess on steroids. You know what I'm saying? Like we all deal with stuff. Men, we're insecure when we're around other people that look like they got it more together than us. They make more money. They have a better job. They have a better career. Like we get insecure about all those things. We all deal with it. I've been dealing with insecurity this week. Like you wouldn't believe on Monday, Monday, like we just had church on Monday. I had to, I texted one of my best friends and just said, Hey man, I am struggling right now. And I had one of these who am I moments. I've been having them all week. Having it right here during worship. I had to take Steph's hand for a second and just be like, I'm going to be okay. But like I have this all the time. You know what Satan always tells me? He's like, who are you? You can't, you're not a pastor. You're not even good at this. Like you can't get, like what are you doing? Talking Like I think about that. I texted my friend Keith on Monday. and was like, dude, I just need you to pray for me. I don't feel like I am... God's blessing my efforts sometimes. I don't feel like, and I'm just, I, I'm insecure. And it takes somebody reminding me sometimes like, no, you're not your insecurities. You're who God says you are. And I want to tell some of y'all the same thing today is you are who God says you are. There's no mistake. We sang that song where we made you sing. I am blessed. I am called. I am healed. I am whole. I am safe in Jesus' name, right? Like we, I, we did that on purpose because of this point right here. Because I want you to know, you're blessed, you're called, you're healed, you're whole. You, 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 we want you to sing these things because it builds your faith. It, 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 it makes you face these insecurities. So that was Moses' first thing. He said, who am I? Some of you might be saying the same thing right now. And I just want to tell you, you're not your insecurities. You are who God called, you are who God says you are. And God says that you are called, that you're anointed to do his good work. Man, that you are more than a conqueror. God says that you are a part of his priesthood and he wants to use you to make disciples. He wants to use you to fish for men. Come on, can I get an amen from somebody? I feel like I'm preaching better than what I'm hearing right now. All right, I, listen, I, I need you here. Okay? I need you here. You're you're called. There's something great on the inside of you. Don't listen to those insecurities. The second thing that Moses says in Exodus chapter three and four is he says this, he says, well, what if they, and he starts going through all the, what if they, well, let me just, who is they? We worry about they so much, right? Like, well, what if they, well, who is they? No one is sitting around thinking about you. I, I, I hate to tell you right now, who gives a crap what they think? We don't even know who they are. But we have fear. It keeps us from, from, from doing what God has called us to do. And you laugh and you, you think it's funny, but man, some of you won't even pray in public for your food. Well, what if they think I'm weird? What? We meet people all the time out in public and I've just kind of gotten over this. I'm just gonna tell you right now, I, I, am, I do struggle with fear. Not so much with spiritual things, but I, I, I struggle with fear. So I'm not saying this as a place where I got it all figured out, but in spiritual things, like I'm not a super fearful person, 
I don't think I am. Steph might disagree, but I feel like I'm pretty confident spiritually. And I, I hate it when people say, I'll be praying for you. And if you're in here, there's a good chance that I've just stopped and said, you know what? I don't care if we're at the gym. I've prayed for so many people at the gym. I, I don't care if we're at Walmart. If some of y'all aren't Walmart people, Target. All right, if we see you at Target <laughs> and you share so we're going to pray in Target because I don't care what they think. We got to get to a point where we can't be afraid of what they think. Fear is holding us back from something that God, uh, he, he, it's keeping you from getting on the ride and it's keeping you from catching people. And that's the ride that God has for you. It says this in Proverbs, the fear of man will prove to be a snare. It's going to catch you and it's going to inhibit you from doing anything. But whoever trusts the Lord is kept safe. Some of us are held back by fear of what other people will think. And I will, who gives a rip what other people think? There are hurting people in your family. There are hurting people that live directly next door to you. There are hurting people at your job. There are hurting people at your school. Who cares what they think? They need it. They need it. Have you ever sat out here and done give a meal? I love Miss Kim and the rest of our prayer team. But you know what? People come here all the time. And when you say, how can I pray for you? And you do it in public, what do you, they change instantly. And I'll tell you right now, in that moment, I'm not thinking about, what's this car behind me thinking right now? Like, who cares? That person needs a touch from God. And that's what God's calling us to give them. So that's the second thing. He said, what if they, like he had this fear. The third thing he says is this. I have never, God says, I want you to go talk to everyone. Well, I've never done that. <laughs> well, yeah, he felt inadequate. I just want to tell you this right now, and I want you to let it sink in, okay? God is going to ask you to do something that you've never done before. I'm going to say that again, and I want a little bit more of a, ooh, all right? God is going to ask you to do something that you've never done before see see how much better that was he's gonna ask you to do he's famous for doing that you think Noah was in the business of building cruise ships I'm serious was David an expert king when he was anointed was Moses a leader of a million people and a diplomat to go talk to, to Pharaoh no was Peter a, a, a disciple and a person that followed her. No, he was a, a fisherman. God is famous for asking people to do something that they've never done. Have I ever pastored a church? No. And I have imposter syndrome all the time. I'm thinking, when I get into a room of other pastors, I always feel like I don't belong in that room. I'll just tell you right now, I feel inadequate. Like we all deal with this, but you got to get over it. I, I, I'm telling you that as lovingly as I can. Embrace what God has for you and do it anyway. Because it, they know. If you knew me, by the way, 15 years ago, and you were like, Clint's going to be a pastor of a church, they would have laughed you out of the door. Because I'm just a singer. And here's, I, you know, I had to go, I don't care what they think. I've never done this before, but guess what? I'm going to do it. That's the reason I took Latin in high school, by the way. I don't know if I've shared this with any of my friends, but we were talking about, and it wasn't because you were in there, baby. I love you, though. Uh, that was a plus. But 
all of my friends were a lot smarter than me, and we were we were just starting high school, and they were like, "What foreign language are you gonna take?" And they were like, "Well, I'm gonna take Latin." You know, they're they're all like engineers now. Okay, they're all way smarter than I am. And they were like, Clint, you're going to do Spanish standard? <laughs> and they're like laughing. I'm like, no, I'll do it. I'll do Latin. Took four years of Latin. Crushed it, baby, in their faces. <laughs> I felt inadequate. But whenever I feel inadequate sometimes, I'm like, watch this. I'm just going to show you right now. Uh, but we all deal with this, right? If you feel like reaching your friends seems out of your realm of expertise, you might not ever get on the ride. Because you're like, well, I've never done that. Well, just how about we just trust God and let him use you and see what God can do through you. I'm just telling you right now, there are gifts inside of some of you that we see that you don't even see yet. And I'm looking five years, 10 years down the road and going, man, that person's a pastor at their heart. But you got to just at some point go, even if I don't feel like I'm adequate enough to do this, I have to step out. I have to get on the ride. He said, I've never. He felt inadequate. And then the last thing, this is his last ditch effort here. He says, why don't you use somebody else? Or can't you find someone else is what he said. So he's arguing with God. He said all these things. This conversation with God, it's all in the Bible. You can read it. And he's thinking, well, I just, and then God gives him a rebuke. Well, he's like, well, I just don't know. And then God is like, no, no, no. His last effort was, okay, can you just use someone else? Like, I don't want to do this. Like, go find someone else. Like, I can't, isn't there someone else? And he had reluctance. I, I want to try to convince you today to not be so reluctant to get on the ride. I want to convince you today to not think God is going to use someone else or God, why don't you just use someone else? That is the worst attitude to have toward the things of God. Because he's called you you have a special anointing on your life. He wants to use you. He's just waiting for you to step through the gate and get in the ride. Because once you're on the ride, you ain't going to get off. I'll tell you right now, it's awesome. Seeing people come to know Jesus, there's no better thing in the world And the sad part is, is there's too many of us sitting on the sidelines watching few people do the work. We're reluctant for some reason. We think, well, that's Clint's job. That's Stephanie's job. That's Robin's job. That's Sadie's job and the kids. Like that's, that's what they're, they're, they're pastors. That's just what they do. No, you know what my job is and Stephanie's job is? To equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. That's what the Bible says. I'm not here to reach your friends. I'm here to teach you how to reach your friends. Equip the saints. Give you the tools you need to get out there and reach people for Jesus. That's what my job is, to do the work of the ministry. 
And some of us have fought that for too long. And it's time we get on the ride. Let's go, okay, I'm gonna get serious. I'm gonna put away these excuses that I've been saying and I'm ready to get after it because there's too many hurting people that need Jesus out there. And so here's my challenge to you today. Will you get on the ride with us? There's room for everybody. I can't, I'm not gonna pull a Stephanie and pick you up, put you in the seat, slam the bar shut and, and launch the ride. I'm not gonna do that to you. And here's the thing too, God's not gonna do it either. He's not. He, he wants a willing participant. And so I don't know, I was having a hard time figuring out how to land this plane today. I don't know what that looks like in your life, okay? Because I, I don't know who you work with. I don't know your sphere of influence. Like I don't know these people. I would love to know them. But I, 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 all that God was asking me to do is to let you know you're called to reach the hurting people out there and to bring them into the kingdom of God and take away their excuses. That's what That was my job today. And so I, I want you to, I, I, bow your heads and close your eyes, actually. Here's what I want to do. Last week, if you weren't here, all of us wrote down a few people that we wanted to invite to Easter service. Okay? I want you to pray for those people by name. Right now. In the quiet of this moment, just pray. You can pray out loud, I don't care. But maybe getting on the ride for you right now is just reaching out and saying, hey, why don't you come to church with me on Easter? I'll do the hard work of presenting the gospel, preaching, doing all that stuff, okay? But maybe your version of getting on the ride is like, hey, why don't you come? And you've been afraid to send that text. You've been afraid to, to make that phone call. You've been afraid to just, but do it. Follow God. God, would you just meet us in this moment? I don't know what you're up to in people's hearts. But God, I pray that you will just use this message to just stoke a fire on the inside of us. I believe God right now is bringing people to your heart and mind right now that are hurting. And if the Holy Spirit's doing that, that is his call on your life to go reach that person. So that person he just brought up in your mind, in your heart, it is now your responsibility to go reach out to them, to meet that need, to sit down, to just shoot that encouraging text, to give them a hug. Like that's what he's calling you to do. He, I, I didn't bring that person up in your brain, the Holy Spirit did. So God, use us. I pray we throw away all excuses. I pray we understand that we're blessed we're called, we're anointed, uh, we are made whole in you, God. We have everything that we need in you. God, I pray that we don't uh, look at these excuses and feel like we don't wanna do it or we feel inadequate or we feel insecure or we feel fearful. God, I pray we fight against that and go, no, I'm gonna say yes, I'm gonna follow you and I'm gonna make a difference in my sphere of influence. I'm gonna fist for some people. 
I don't care what people think of me. I don't care what they say about me. I'm all in. I want to do it. So use me. God, I pray that that would be our prayer today. Maybe you're in here and you haven't even made a decision to follow Jesus before. And you're in here and you're like, man, I think I need that. I'm the person that's hurting. I'm the person that like, man, I just feel like my life's kind of falling apart and I can't get it together. And, and I want to tell you, maybe for you, the step you need to take today is you need to invite Jesus into your life. It all starts there. It's the best thing you could ever do. I promise. So if that's you, if you want to make that decision on the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. No one's looking but me. And at the count of three, just raise your hand and say, oh, I think I want to do that today. On the count of three, one, two, three. Come on, lift your hand up. Come on, lift it up if you, if you want to make that decision. All right, put it down. If you lifted your hand today, I want to say some words, and this is, these words are magical. It's just a way to express them to God. You can use your own words. Just say, God, I need you. I'm ready. I invite you into my life. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you came back to, from the grave for me. And I make you the Lord of my life today. And in the best way I know how, I will live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, give God a hand. God did something special today. I believe it.